G'day humans, what's a good word? Chris Funder here with another edition of Wrestling All-Star with Alex Freddy-Williams. Alex, how you going, copper? I'm doing good there, champion. How you doing, mate? Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> another edition of the weekly wrestling wrap. Having more wraps than a kebab store at the moment. For those who've listened back to our TNA show, they would have heard you uh, say something on there for the first time. So a new platform that you're subscribed to. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I'm now a card-carrying member of Impact Plus. I actually enjoy it. We are currently recording this on a Wednesday, and as soon as Impact was done on Access, it was immediately uploaded on Impact Plus. So it's a good way for me to catch that stuff almost instantly. And also, like, TNA has such a cool, like, back library. There's some cool indie stuff on there as well, to the point that you can even watch some World Series wrestling on there. Oh, wow. So you've gone through and checked a a couple of their back catalogue? Oh, I haven't watched um, too many of the indie stuff, but I've sort of had a look through it, and there's some interesting stuff there. Um I've watched a couple of older TNA shows. I watched, oh, I went back and watched the first Impact show from 04 and the first TNA pay-per-view show from 02. Just having a little look. And it's costing like eight bucks a month. So, so why not? Yeah, so I've actually, go admit, I've signed up for Impact Plus as well. This brings out some... Very interesting possibilities for some future reviews for us. The sort of whole 2000s, like 02 to kind of 2012 run of TNA has a great back catalogue and there's quite a few sleeper matches in there from the last decade as well. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think on our One Night Stand review, I threw out a possible idea of a show to review in the future, and now with us both having Impact Plus, dare I publicly suggest that we uh, go back and have a look at the final ECW reunion of TNA Hardcore Justice 2010. EV 2.0. EV (laughs) 2.0. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it. (laughs) No, but... um. We give TNA slash Impact a fair bit of flack from time to time, but there's a reason we do that is because deep down we love them. We love TNA. Like, there's a period of time where I, I admit that, like, I was all about it. I love TNA. And there's so much good stuff in the back catalogue for TNA that, um, yeah, I actually highly recommend to anyone listening to check out Impact Plus. So I haven't fully checked it out yet. I've only used it to watch this week's Impact. I suppose from there, do you sort of want to jump into the wrestling week? Yeah, let's talk about it. We've got plenty to talk about. We've got growth spurts. Um, oh, man. We've got underground fighting. We've got all the good stuff. So let's let's hook in. Yes, yeah, so there was quite a bit this week. Um, So... On Tuesday, AEW Dark Ed, for the third consecutive week, it was a different length. This time, an hour and 30 minutes with nine matches. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a long one. Um, I hadn't watched Dark in a long time, but I decided, you know what, since we're pretty much going guns a-blazing with this weekly wrestling wrap, I better pull my finger out and watch dark for a change and 
Oh boy, long one. Yeah, I felt compared to the previous couple of weeks, this wasn't a, as much of a standout edition as previous weeks. Yeah, I tuned in right in time for a sloppy shoppy show. Standout things I thought was Ray Phoenix coming back to action. I don't think we've seen him for a little while. No, we are, we're Mr. Lucha Brothers together. Again, the gun club, Austin and Billy got another win in a tag match. I actually want to see these guys on Dynamite a bit more, not just cheering in the front row like a couple of absolute geeks. Well, I suppose it's good that Austin's getting reps in on Dark, so he is working a lot more regularly on there at the moment as well. A guy like Billy Gunn, though, I would actually really enjoy the idea of him like answering an open challenge for the TNT title. Controversial opinion, I know. It's not going to be your sort of classic match that you usually get, but um, he's a legend. Bring in a couple of legends here and there to answer that open challenge. I think he would be a great, great fit for that sort of role. Yeah, it'd be about three years ago that he did an- answer an open challenge of Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, I remember that. That's such a weird thing to think about. Like, yeah, you got Tanahashi versus Billy Gunn. You got Rockabilly versus Tanahashi. Moving throughout the night, Private Party defeated Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. Again, Brian and Griff came out, they did the Hollywood Blondes camera roll spot during their ring entrance whilst in the ring together. So they might be teaming a lot more regularly going forward on Dark. Yeah, I thought um, Pillman in particular looked really good. Um, I feel like Griff Garrison was told the one thing to do to look like a Hollywood Blonde and he just, like, did it continuously. Like, he's just doing the film recording pose. Like, he's doing it, like, every 30 seconds. It's the only thing he knew how to act like a Hollywood Blonde. Now... I'm assuming you've seen a lot more of Pillman before uh, Home Invasion with Austin. Does Pillman Jr. remind you a lot of his dad's in-ring work? Uh, there's definitely a hint of uh, the classic Fly and Brian from the early 90s, late 80s WCW, like classic uh, babyface Brian Pillman. Fair enough. Going forward, the Jurassic Express trio team defeat the team of Aaron Solo, Cody Hollis and Pineapple Pete. Later on the week on social media, it appeared that Pineapple Pete is done in AEW. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, there you go. He put a social media post and it sort of looked like that might be the the last of him in AEW. Rachel Ellering made her AEW Dark debut in a losing effort against Penelope Ford. And then in the main event, the Butcher and the Blade defeated the SCU team of Daniels and Kazarian. Very solid main event. I'm very high on the Butcher and the Blade. I would like to see a lot more of these guys, something with a lot more substance, such as a feud or whatever. A couple of promos would be nice. I don't know what they're like on the stick, but these guys look really good, bell to bell. And yeah, the Butcher, that's money right there. I'm all about him. He's just got that look like you don't want to mess with him. And yeah, there's just a certain believability from just looking at the guy. Do you want to jump down to the next show? Let's cross the line. So we go over to the Impact Zone on Wednesday for Impact Wrestling. 
Show starts with Eric Young and Willie Mack brawling backstage. They eventually go to the ring for a match. Goes about 10-15 minutes, Eric Young defeats Willie Mack. Yeah, that's exactly the logical way to start this show, considering how it ended the last week with the attack on Rich Swan. Yeah, this is very logical. The right thing to do. I was all for this. Good Brothers are roaming backstage looking for Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. They attack Stryker and his friend sitting backstage. Was this Matt Stryker? Yeah, that was Matt Stryker. I had no idea he was in the company. I had no idea. He's not a half-bag commentator. Why isn't he? Why isn't he commentating if he's there? Honestly. Yeah. Reno Scum attacked and robbed Rhino of cash. Jordan Grace defeated Kimberly, setting up her rematch for the Knockouts Championship. Then it was the return of Masson's Reigns Locker Room Talk, sponsored by hashtag Heath for Impact. Now, what were your thoughts on this ad? Yeah, um, it was fine. It was it was humorous, but every week on this particular podcast, I like to say that I would like to say a much more serious version of Heath, and they're just not going to give it to us. So if we're going to go comedy Heath, I'm just going to have to learn to accept it at this point. Her guests are Rob Van Dam and Katie Forbes. They start making out. Madison leaves and then Sammy Callahan appears and starts brawling with Rob. Dude, this set they were on, it was full on casting couch porn set. Like. Did you catch Madison's line there when she walked off? Uh, what was that? She says, You two can keep the couch. <laughs> My other half happened to walk past while I was watching this particular segment and full on thought I was watching porn. <laughs> Um, um, the whole Rob Van Dam, Katie Forbes thing, just like, oh, I hate it. Not a fan of it at all. It's so cringy. Katie Forbes in particular is just, oh, does my head in. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. The next segment was the Rascals backstage. One of them's wearing an EC3 hoodie and another one sneaks up behind wearing a suicide mask. Moose confronts the Rascals and challenges Suicide to the TNA Heavyweight Championship for a match next week. We then go to your favourite segment on Impact, Wrestle House. Ah, uh, cringe house. Yes. So, Tyra decides to show the housemates her best matches on tape, which leads to Rosemary putting Larry D under a spell as Susie and Cousin Jack go on a date. And because Larry D's under the spell of Rosemary, him and AC Romero begin to fight, so it leads to a match where Larry D wins. Actually, I really like Larry D in the ring. I think there's a bit of potential there with him. Actually, both these guys are good. As far as the segments leading up to this match, uh, didn't do it for me. I mean, I know you, you love this stuff. Uh, these particular segments were just kind of meh for me. Promo with Impact Knockouts champion Diana Perazzo, where she issues a challenge. Jordan Grace saying, at emergence, a 30-minute Iron Man match for the Knockouts Championship will take place. Yeah, I'm keen. I'm keen. These two uh, tore it up at Slammiversary, so giving them 30 minutes to just go back and forth in an Iron Man match, I'm all in. Two sit-down interviews sort of spliced in together, Motor City Machine Guns versus North at Emergence. 
Yeah, that'll be another good one as well. Pretty much rematches, but these are the sort of rematches that you want to see coming out of Slammiversary anyway. Sort of setting up your TV special, it's smart booking. The Motor City Machine Guns need to be sort of tied up with the North at the moment because, well, they got two or three tag teams stuck in Wrestle House. Um, they don't really have many options at the moment. So I sort of half expect a um, dodgy finish to this match at Emergence between the Guns and the North. Keep the feud rolling a bit longer. So what's it now? August, Bound for Glory's October. So... Yeah, if you did an uh, indifferent finish here, you could play it off at Bound for Glory as a deciding match. Uh, I think they could at least get another month out of it, if not up until Bound for Glory, but yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the No DQ Knockouts tag team match? Pretty solid match. Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles in particular... I really enjoyed their act. Uh, Havoc and Nevaeh are a little bit too generic, like, monster tag team for me. It's just, like, they're big and they're scary, but there's not too much depth to it. And um, I'd like to say, like, I don't know, give them a promo or something. Like, yeah, give us a little bit more depth to this like you know that you've brought in a lot of new viewers lately and you're building up this tag team match as a no dq match because of this supposed heated rivalry how about you give us a bit of background onto why this is a heated rivalry it was a good match not taking anything away from the women if you're a new viewer who was tuning in this week for the first time it sort of was a bit jarring as to why this was taking place. I've been watching Impact since the week before Slammiversary, and I, this was the first I've really heard of this feud. So give us a bit of background, guys. But besides that, good match. Good Brothers are still looking for Ace Fulton backstage as Moose walks into an EC3 projection, challenging him to a match later on. This whole EC3 thing is um, it's good. I like it a lot. A slow build-up, making you anticipate it more yeah and the whole premise of him wanting to go to his past and destroy the tna title and destroy aspects of his past so he can move forward and moose sort of being the right guy for him to feud with too like him being the right guy to hold that title for ac3 very high on both men so i'm looking forward to this i'm looking forward to when it does take place Match number five of the night was Dez versus Suicide, which ended in no contest as the Good Brothers came down to the ring and threw everyone over the top rope to the ring ramp. I am an admitted fan of the Good Brothers, but these guys, I, I don't know about you, but it's not working for me as baby faces. Um, They feel like a bit too cosplay stone cold cosplay national i suppose because they are new to the promotion you've paired them with a heel faction straight away they're playing off the angle where they did get arrested the week prior and this match hadn't gone like 10 15 minutes and then ended like this like in wwe sometimes this went a minute maybe two minutes then the Good Brothers music played and they came in. Yeah, that's fine, I guess, yeah. Good Brothers say they want to challenge Ace and Fulton. Ace and Fulton appear on the video screen saying they'll face him at night one of emergence. I'm actually into this feud in a way, but I think that's entirely because of Ace Austin. I think, man, this dude's a star. 
Yeah, I'd have to agree there. Does he remind you of a, a certain uh, former Melbourne-based wrestler, I guess? Uh, who are we talking about here? Because I think uh, physically he kind of looks like Lockie Hendricks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially with the uh, the purple hair. It's the hair for sure. It just makes me think Lockie Hendricks needs a big heater when MCW comes back. Needs a big guy behind him. Put Lockie Hendricks with Jake Andrew Arthur. That's what you want. Pair him with Mike Burr. That'd be that'd be interesting too. Raju is in the back talking to Chris Bay, who's the X Division champion, saying that TJP will challenge at emergence. But if he makes it a triple threat with Raju in the match as well, he'll have a tag team partner. There's then a Brian Myers video that airs. It's sort of the same video that's been airing the whole time. We then go back to Wrestle House. Susie seems to flash up as Sue Young briefly, which leads to a match between Susie and Alicia Edwards where Susie wins. I did not think this was a very um, very strong week for Wrestle House. This was probably their worst week, in my opinion. Just nothing interesting for me. Emergence Night 1 is next week. We have the Wrestle House match of Kylie Ray versus Tyre. Moose versus Trey Miguel for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Chris Bay versus TJP versus Rohit Raju for the Impact X Division Championship. The Good Brothers versus Ace and Fulton. And the Motor City Machine Guns versus North for the Impact Tag Team Championships. Yeah, so they did advertise all this for Emergence Night 1. But they messed up because all these matches are meant to be spread out over the two weeks of emergence. Really? I'm looking at things right now. Not all these matches ended up happening on night one. TNA. 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 (laughs) Oh, come on. Yeah. Gee. Because the only one I took note of being night two was the... Uh, knockouts championship on woman match Perazzo versus grace yeah yeah well i was positive when i watched um impact on this particular episode that they might have even advertised that for night one but yeah oh well um there's a few things that are certain in life and a couple of blunders from impact wrestling is one of those things but it's it's not the worst thing yeah so speaking of not the worst thing i suppose we should move on to the Main event, the Eddie Edwards Open Challenge for the Impact World Championship. It is Eddie Edwards, he wants to face EY, but out comes Brian Myers. My boy, the Prince of Queens, uh, the newly dubbed most professional professional wrestler. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what, he cuts a bit of a promo saying he's the most professional, professional wrestler. Fine, I guess. Yeah, I was really happy about this, though. Yeah, so um, I suppose, do you think this is the right move for him seeing this match? I think, I think last week you and I were recording the weekly wrestling rap whilst I read the results for Impact last week, and... I saw the results for this, and on paper, it sounded bad. After watching it, it it was actually a pretty good debut for Brian Myers. He looked really strong. He looked good. Um, You're putting him in a main event. Uh, It's definitely a step above where he has been in the past. Yeah, I'd have to agree. He did look really good. He had a lot of time to shine, but ultimately, Eddie Edwards retains 
as they go off the air. I hope this is a sign of good things to come for Brian Myers. Just I'm not asking, like, even though I'm a fan of his, I, I don't want to see him get title run or anything like that. I just want to see him get the chance to fail. And I feel like in WWE, he never even got the chance to fail. So how were you supposed to expect him to succeed? I thought overall good show of impact. Before you said what you said, I thought they did a good job stacking not one of emergence which you've now said was supposed to be night one and two from all things i've read the kylie ray tire thing didn't happen on impact this week but i could be wrong i could be wrong and then the wrestle house stuff i thought this week fell flat i didn't understand why they were watching tire matches i thought oh that'd be a good way to fill time on a rainy day have tire force the housemates to to watch her matches but then they went and had matches outside anyway, and I'm like, oh, uh, okay then. Yeah, well, you know how they do the thing where they, like, show a classic moment of the week on Impact, like a classic match or something in the middle of the show? Yeah. I think this actually would have been a pretty cool way for them to do it, for, like, Ty to be like, and here's my favourite match of all time, when I win the Knockouts title for the first time, and she's got the controller in her hand and she presses play. And that turns into, like, us as the viewer having to sit back and watch the classic moment of the week. That's how they play the classic moment of the week. They just play that full match or whatever, and then your first segment back from the classic moment of the week is people in Wrestle House reacting to what they just saw. Yeah, like, as her Impact debut is going on, AC Romero's asleep on the couch. Oh, well, she's a heel. She's meant to get that sort of stuff. Do you want to go on to Thursday with NXT? Yeah, let's do it. Killian Cross had a quick match with Danny Birch stemming from his beatdown of Oni Lorcan last week. Ends up getting the quick win. Keith Lee comes down to the ring with a contract. Hands it over to Scarlett, who has Cross sign it, and hands it back to Lee. And as Keith Lee opens it, a fireball shoots out and is burnt in the face. Now, I'm going to ask you this. Have you seen a lot of Scarlet and Cross on the indies? Yeah, I've seen more of Scarlet than I've seen of Cross. But I've seen a bit of them both, yes. All right, I, I think I know where you're going here, but go on. Are they supposed to be magic? There has never been any version of these two that I've been led to believe were magic. Has it been mentioned before on NXT at any point? No, but there's been like subtle hints of it, like the magical appearing like hourglass and stuff that they did with Adam Cole. Yeah, there's been hints of it, but no, <laughs> no, there, ha there hasn't been this before. Okay, so what was your reaction when you first saw this fireball hit Keith Lee? Um, honestly, my first reaction was, how did they do it? I'm just really cu curious. Like, how did they set up a thing that, so when he opens up the contract of <laughs> puts fire in his face, like, how did they even do that? I'm sure there's some interesting behind the scenes as to how that happened. It was fine, I guess, if these guys are going to be magic these are probably the best fit for that sort of gimmick in nxt yeah i'm not i'm not either for or against it i'm still a little bit weirded out by it uh just see where it goes i guess so i'll be honest i watched nxt on delay i had no idea this was coming 
I have a rough idea of Keith Lee from his time in the Indies. I have a rough idea of Scarlet and Cross from their time in Impact. I've never heard of Magic being involved in either of the three wrestlers. And Cross signs a contract, hands it to Scarlet. Scarlet slides it in the ring. Lee bends over, picks it up, opens it, and there's a fireball. And I just burst out laughing. It's been a while since we've had a good fireball in wrestling. I just, I went back and watched this like four or five times. I'm just like, what the hell happened here? You've gone from like A to F. You've jumped all the points in between. Yeah, um, it is weird. There were definitely, uh, I should probably go back and say that there was definitely points in time where Carrion Cross, the former Killer Cross, did have mystical elements to him. But that was in Lucha Underground, so that doesn't really count, does it? Well, that I'm going to say no, because you look at half the people from that universe who had mystical powers or who were dead and then are on other promotions now with no tie into that. Like The only guy who has a tie into that character would be Johnny Gimmick Name, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Impact, Johnny Morrison. Yeah, uh, Johnny Drip Drip, as they called him on SmackDown. Johnny Survivor. Yeah, exactly. But this won't be the last time we see someone from the former Lucha Underground on this episode of NXT. No, no. From there, they had a match set up for Maverick and Killian Dane that ended in no contest as Undisputed Era runs in, Adam Cole losing his mind that he's got a face. Pat McAfee next week. Da, 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 da. Nah, this is actually a pretty good promo. Really weird that Drake Maverick was meant to be having a match with Killian Dane, even though Drake Maverick strictly been in the cruiserweight division at this point in time. I thought that was really odd at first when these guys were coming out. Um, also really odd that they just beat the crap out of Killian Dane when he's meant to be a big monster sort of deal. But I think that sort of lets us know that they don't really think much of Killian Dane anymore. Oh, well, they did have the numbers advantage. There was one or two of them who took out Maverick and then the rest of them began teaming on Dane. So they all took out Dane as well together as a unit. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But I, I don't know. If the Undisputed Era went after, say, a, even like a Carrion Cross or a Bronson Reed or a Damien Priest or something at the moment, it wouldn't have been that easy for them to take out those particular people by themselves. There was a quick little Kushida promo saying that he wants to challenge for the North American Championship. Next was Santo Escobar, NXT interim cruiserweight champion with the Guerrero del Fantasma teammates Raul Mendoza and Walking Wild in his corner, defeating Tyler Breeze. Santos Escobar, the former King Cuano from Lucha Underground. Just to fill in that tie-in I did earlier about Lucha Underground, I really like Santos Escobar. This gimmick makes the Cruiserweight title actually seem half-relevant at the moment, which has been a big task for people in the past. So I'm all for this Legado del Fantasma faction stable whatever yeah all for it really enjoyed tyler breeze coming out here not doing his wacky entrances that he's been doing with breeze angos just walking out no selfie stick just all business i loved that post-match when 
They're beating down on Breeze, Fandango and Swerve Bro run in to make the save. Swerve Bro formed a kill shot from Lucha Underground. I think that's the last of my Lucha Underground references, guys. Well, at least for NXT, I think. Promo with Dakota Kai saying how she's going to challenge for the NXT Women's Championship. And then was a match with Mia Yim saying that she's just returned from the hospital and she's facing Indy Hartwell. And Mia gets the win here. Yeah, um, impressive. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, it's good to see Indy on TV. This thing they're telling with Mia, like she had to rush to get her gear on and then quickly rush out to the stage because her partner just had his face burnt off. She tries to get this match over and done with quickly. As soon as she's finished the match, she remembers what else is going on in her life and she looks like a wreck. She acted this really, really well. I've been a little bit critical of Mia Yim in the past because I quite frankly haven't seen it in her yet, but this was very good by her. I, I liked her performance in this. Good job there by Mia Yim. Finn Balor promo spouting about how he wants to become North American champion because he's a prince. Sure. And then we had some big boy wrestling. Good old Hoss fight here. Ozilla is his new nickname by the sounds of things from from good old Mauro Ranallo. They've been going with that one for a while. I don't know where that started, but... I like it. Ozilla. I find that to be more intimidating than... Thick boy, so... What about the beast from Boggo Road? Hey, man. Goddamn right that's intimidating. <laughs> Isn't that Nathan Jones? Yeah, goddamn right it is. Yeah. Remember when him just doing a run-in at WrestleMania was as close as Australians ever got to a WrestleMania match? Uh, the Dark Ages. Yes. So, yeah, Bronson Reed versus Damian Priest, both men already advancing to the take over ladder match for the North American Championship and Bronson gets a win here. Bronson's going to win that title, isn't he? The way they're booking him lately, they're strapping the rocket to him, aren't they? Any other company, I'd say yes for sure. Yeah. WWE, most likely. <laughs> for all you know, they could be just building him up just so he can lose to someone else. Just to put someone else over even further by getting beat clean by him. Oh, gosh. There was then an EO Shirai promo done in a native language with subtitles underneath. Yeah, it was a good little promo, actually. I'm all for subtitle promos. If someone can't speak English, just subtitle them. It works out really well. Like, this was a good example of that. Sixth match of the night and your co-main event is a Robert Stone brand tag team match. Aaliyah and Mercedes Martinez versus Casey Canzaro and Caden Carter. Yeah, nothing. Um... Casey Canzaro was actually a star. Besides that, this isn't worth too much breath being wasted on. Uh, so Robert Stonebrand gets a win here. Post-match, Rhea Ripley and Tank Girl run in to make the save. Good old Shotzi. Yeah, it was good to see Rhea. I think my prediction of a lengthy Rhea Mercedes Martinez feud is definitely underway here and maybe tank girl shotzi you like to call it tank girl and Aaliyah are gonna split off into something as well I, I don't know how i feel about this whole robert stone brand thing but robert stone himself actually does a fantastic job yeah he's a bro man yeah man we want mr pectacular in there with him 
Jesse Goddard's bring him back. You already got DJZ on the same show, man. Jeez, wouldn't that be a big reunion? Although, speaking of TNA reunions, we would get a little peak of something later in the week. Yes, yes. So, following that match, the Garganos at home promo. Do you have anything really to add on this? I just found it a bit weird. It was crap. <laughs> I hated it. Like, they put a dodgy filter on their phone and uh, just looks stupid. But let's get to the next promo, which wasn't stupid. I actually enjoyed. Timothy Thatcher cutting a promo. Take it away, Alex. Oh, it's just like essentially Stuhart in the dungeon teaching a bunch of young boys how to stretch another man and just like, and in the process, just like killing everybody. I love this. Suzuki in the dojo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love this, man. The Thatcher's Thatch Can style of wrestling. I love it. Then your main event is the final triple threat qualifier for the North American Championship. It is Cameron Grimes versus Kushida versus a mystery opponent who is the Velveteen Dream. Yeah. Um, you know what? Um, whatever's going on outside of the ring whatever um it is what it is but velveteen dream is an iconic at this point nxt character it it was good to see the character back in the arena he sort of won there few nxt original creations a lot of the others have been plucked from the indies and either given a new name or new music but they're still playing essentially the same character. Yeah. Velveteen Dream is essentially an all-NXT original creation. Yeah, like you said, there's not many of them left. He is a very, very talented performer. Quite frankly, I was shocked about the result of this match, but uh, I'll let you get to that. So, in the end, Cameron Grimes ends up pinning Kushida for the victory. So it'll be Cameron Grimes advancing with Velveteen Dream advancing to the second chance singles match. Post-match, Velveteen attacks Kushida in the ring and Finn Balor runs in to make the save as they go off the air. Finn Balor and Velveteen Dream going off into a bit of a feud is is a good direction. The idea of possibly Finn Balor coming in to protect Kushida and something aligning up there would be intriguing as well. Former Taguchi Japan teammates. There's a bit of history there. Um, I'm at the point now where I think Cameron Grimes or Bronson Reed, that's your winner of the North American title. So with the two qualifying matches remaining next week because Loomis got injured... So far, we have in Cameron Grimes, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, uh, the winner of Velveteen Dream versus Finn Balor, and the winner of Gargano versus Ridge Holland. Yeah, who do you see advancing from uh, Gargano Holland? So I think um, I think you're going to get Gargano get the win there. Although I I would like to see something different, such as a Ridge Holland get the win. Quite frankly, I think having um, Velveteen and Finn in the same match is probably the wrong idea. Have Gargano against either Velveteen or Bala, and Ridge Holland against the other one, and then you put Ridge Holland and Gargano in, and then you have Finn Balor and Velveteen Dream have a match at TakeOver. That's what I would do, but... Yeah, who knows? They could shuffle the, the decks around during the week off. 
maybe it was just how they were aligned on the um on the graphic. I I, I honestly think Cameron Grimes or Bronson Reed, that's your winner of that ladder match there. Just based on the booking of everything. And in the second match, who do you think's advancing? Balor or um Balor or Dream? I think it'll be Balor, but I could say being Dream too. Uh that's that's a that's more of a fifty fifty one, I think. I think Bella's advancing there because hasn't Dream already had that title once before? Yeah, but so is Gargano. Yeah, but I don't see him putting Ridge Holland through for whatever reason. I think Loomis got injured, so they had to change course to where he wasn't pinned, so he has to go in that match. Oh, well, uh, from NXT, they got TakeOver coming up this Sunday. A big day of wrestling, a big morning of wrestling for us here in Australia. We'll have Dynamite followed by a TakeOver. Yes, indeed. And speaking of Dynamite, we go to Daly's Place with fans live in attendance. Yeah, about... Did you know about this beforehand? No, but actually... Just a random person I follow on Twitter happened to be one of those people on there. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I saw her as one of the people in the crowd, so I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. At least they're picking fans that are genuine, hardcore fans of the product. It's good to see. First match of the night on Tag Team Appreciation Night was the Young Buck, Matt and Nick Jackson, defeating the Dark Order members of Evil Uno and Duke Grayson with Alex Reynolds, number five, and John Silver at ringside. Nothing too noteworthy, but I thought it was a fairly solid match. Then they had the MJF campaign speech in the ring, show a graphic how he's plus 500% and Moxley's minus 1,000%. Yeah. Moxley's music hits, so he sends Wardlow and the rest of his helpers out to the crowd steps to block off Moxley. Moxley comes through the back of the stage through the entrance tunnel, hits a paradigm shift on MJF and returns to the backstage area. I was very high on the first week of the MJF campaign speech. I feel like this one was just a rerun. I feel like this thing was just exactly the same thing except a bit of a run-in at the end. I would have liked to have seen something a little bit different from MJF on this one. Had a Matt Hardy interview, says he got 13 stitches and wants to face Sammy on August 22nd. Just generic Matt Hardy does nothing for me. And I don't know, I'm not into this feud at all. The angle the week before was done very well, but I don't know. What's it going to look like when the bell rings? I don't think it's... It's going to be that good. Second match of the night, AEW TNT Championship match. It's Cody, the champion, with Ali, Arn Anderson, Brandy Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, and QT Marshall in his corner. You forgot a couple of extras. You forgot little Bram Bran. Brandy Rhodes carrying two of her own action figure to the ring. Come on, man. I'll talk about that more on the women's tournament. Facing Scorpio Sky, who's coming out alone without the members of SCU. Tonight marked the debut of the TNT Championship version 2.0 or the completed championship. Yeah, I thought it looked good. Like, it's going to be like anything for a lot of wrestling fans I'll complain about for two weeks and be like, oh, yeah, it's all right. 
Yeah, I think it'll look great. It's just a little bit hard to look at at the moment just because I'm so used to looking at the silver thing. Like, it's just like, it's just a really strange side at the moment. But once I get used to it, I'm sure I'm going to love it. Referee for the match was Mike Kyoto with 33 years of refereeing experience. Many top guys in wrestling talk about how Mike Kyoto is probably the best referee in wrestling history. Yeah, this is a pretty good pickup by AEW. Really good match. I'd highly recommend checking this one out. Ultimately, Cody gets the win here, defeating Scorpio Sky. Oh, I was just going to say, this was um, a really good match. I was half devastated that Scorpio didn't win. And the fact that I was half devastated about that, that means that they did their job right. Post-match, Mr. Brody Lee appears on the video screen saying that he found the Silver TNT Championship and challenges Cody for August 22nd. Yeah, he, uh, Brody Lee says that he'll take the new title, but he'll let Cody have the old one back. That was a pretty good promo here, actually. I think Brody Lee versus Cody is going to turn some heads. These guys have had some matches back when it was Luke Harper versus Cody Rhodes in WWE or even Luke Harper versus Stardust, and they had some really good chemistry in the ring together, these guys. So I think this could be a sleeper match for some people. It's one of the matches I'm looking forward to that's already been announced. Third was the AEW World Tag Team Championship match. Adam Page and Kenny Omega, the champions, versus the Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus with Marco Stunt in their corner. At one point during this match, I was just like, I really wanted Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to be tag champs. Like, oh, man. I think we've almost run the course with Hangman and Kenny. As much as they are great together, I think it's almost time that we do something else with those guys. I think it's about time we split these two up, uh, put the tag titles on someone else, anyone else, and let these two guys go off and do their own thing as individuals. I think the days are numbered of Kenny and Paige now, so we could see a title change in the near future. Santana and Ortiz are backstage. They say they've found the best friend's ring gear, tip it out in the shower room area, and pour bleach all over it. Yeah. Okay, it's fine. I really hope that the next episode of Dynamite, the best friends come out with, like, bleach-stained gear on. That would be even better. Like, if they just come out in just new gear, then what was the point? They better come out in, like, messed up gear and stuff. Or street clothes. Uh, I would prefer bleach-stained tights. It'd be hilarious. They then have the Tag Team Appreciation Night segment in the ring with FTR, The Young Bucks, Rock and Roll Express and Arn and Tully. Man, at first I was like, what even is this? This is just a mutual ass-kissing society, right? And then we get to the big angle of it all and Tully Blanchard still has it, man. Yeah, he's saying to Bucks and to FTR, he's saying you're the best team, but neither you or you have the championships, which doesn't make you the best. And then he starts picking on Arn, saying, I don't understand why you've got this poking at his chest where the Cody logo is. Arn looks to the entranceway. Spears is walking out and says, I don't need any of this. Goes to walk off. Rock and Roll Express and Tully brawl in the ring. Spears separates him. Goes to take Tully backstage as the Bucks are trying to separate him between the entranceway and the ring. And all of a sudden, FTR's down. Dax is taking off his knee brace and then they attack the Rock and Roll Express from behind, delivering a top rope spike pile driver. They run out of the ring as 
Kenny and Hangman arrive late on the scene. Yeah, this was great. This was so good. Just like getting to see Ricky Morton sell. I really hope that we get an FTR versus Rock and Roll Express match because you just know that FTR is going to go out there with their working boots on for those two guys. Like they will make the Rock and Roll look like they're still in their prime in the 80s, you know. Also good to see two tag teams that are staples of my fantasy tag team division. Yeah, well, we were saying it when you did draft the Rock and Roll Express. They're still on national TV, and here they are. Yeah, I just didn't think Arn and Tully would be on national TV when we drafted them. Is Arn injured to the point where he can't do physicality anymore at all? Yeah, he can't do any of that. He's lost some feeling in his left side and all that sort of stuff from neck damage. What about Tully? I'm not too sure about Tully. I think he could probably get in there pretty well from all reports. Like, Tully's career ended very quickly. Like, he wouldn't have even been in his 40s when his career ended. He just left the business because he, he quit the WWF, then failed a drug test when he went and re-signed with the WCW... So then WCW wouldn't have him. And then WWF are like, well, Arn just went with you to WCW. We have no use for you by yourself. And that was kind of the end of Tully Blanchard's televised wrestling career. Oh, oh wow. Nothing to do with injury or anything like that. Just, yeah, he just couldn't get a job because of his own you know, issues he had. Since then, he's, like, cleaned himself up and he's, like, a minister and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't think Tully has that many, like, injuries and stuff like that that would prevent him from taking a bump or two here and there. Then there was a backstage interview with Mike Kyoto and Alex Marvez. Chris Jericho walks in saying that he saved Kyoto's job at one point and wants him to do the right thing tonight when Jericho asks. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, he's calling him Kiki at one point. <laughs> it's actually what Eliza calls my dog, Kiedis. Calls him Kiki. Another episode where you're watching the wrestling and your dogs are looking at the screen weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then they cut to the picture-in-picture, picture, Sammy Guevara with flashcards. Pretty much just saying, oh, he hurt Matt and he, Matt's going to have to learn the hard way. Do you actually listen to this on the Fight TV thing, though? You've got 17 seconds. Okay. You've got another minute. Another minute? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so he just has to stall and play around with the cards and that. Yeah, that, that, was, that was very, very humorous. I love seeing things like that go wrong on live TV. Did you notice this week also marked the loss of picture-in-picture commentary for Fight? Yeah, yeah. Probably a good idea because half the time they didn't even know they were on commentary anyway, so you might as well. Co-main event of the night is Hikaru Shida defeating Heather Moore. Nothing really to add there? No, that was lame. Shida's opponent, yeah, not, not very good. No offence. Lance Archer and Jake Roberts are in the back locker room. Someone bumps into Archer, so he starts destroying two guys in the locker room. Ask Jake if he told him that. Jake says no, so he proceeds to rip Jake's shirt off and shows he's ran on Jake's back. Everyone dies. Yeah, this is fine. I love the whole, like, dynamic of, like, Jake Roberts calmly cutting a promo whilst Lance Archer's in the background just killing people. Like, there's just something to that visual that's just 
perfect. Be nice if Lance Archer killed people a little bit more quietly because I was having a tough time hearing what Jake was saying. But yeah, I like the idea of it all. There was a brief mention on commentary to watch The Deadly Draw and Dark this Monday and Tuesday. At least I plugged it this week. They put a graphic up at one point too for Ag Tournament, which is yeah a lot more than what they did the week before. Uh, your main event of the night, $7,000 obligation match. Chris Jericho with his orange jacket versus Orange Cassidy. Mike Kyoto is the special referee. What did you think of this match? Trash. Really? I thought Jericho looked physically crap. I thought he looked bloated. He looked easily exhausted at times. Um, the match itself was very clunky, I thought. There was times where they're giving each other dragon screws and they're just like landing next to each other in weird ways and they're spinning the wrong way and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I thought this was a horrible match. Um, their first match was really good. I hated this one. This was just clunky. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. I didn't think you'd have the same same sentiment there as me. But um, hey, man, I am an AEW mark. But if if they put on something crap, I'm gonna call them out. Although sometimes I'm a little bit more lenient than I would be for other companies. So Casty catches Jericho in the mousetrap and gets the pinfall victory. Now, do you remember when the last time someone won with a mousetrap on national TV? I can't even recall the last time I saw one. <laughs> Neither can I. I. I don't even know if I'd ever seen one before. Not not that I can think of off the top of my head. If it's taken that long, I can't think of one. <laughs> I like the idea of it. I'm sure if he did it to anyone else... It probably would look a bit better, but this one just looked weird for me. Dynamite's not on this Wednesday slash Thursday. It is airing at the special time of Saturday 6pm in the USA or Sunday 8am in Australia, where they've already announced the TNT Championship match, that's Cody versus Mr. Brody Lee, and the final of the Women's Tag Team Cup tournament. Oh, is that going to be on Dynamite? Yes, Dynamite on Saturday night. Yeah, very good. Uh, Rumour has it. Expect a couple of surprises. Yes, yes, you are mentioning off-air if I'd uh, read any spoilers, yeah, and I said no, and you said there's a particular champion that will have a surprise opponent, and I think we'll just leave it at that for now. Yeah, uh, not necessarily immediate opponent, but definitely something that added to that particular champion's division that will definitely bolster the division and hopefully draw some interest. Very excited for this episode of Dynamite and not the only surprise to expect, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be interesting if the rumours I've read are true and I'm just going to leave it at that. Fair enough. Friday, NXT UK is still continuing their greatest hit episodes. So we go through to Saturday, WWE SmackDown. Uh, Cole states at the beginning of the show, Retribution are using current events as an excuse for this destruction. Wow. What the hell, WWE? Yeah, that's, that's messed up. He then says, Extra security is on tonight to prevent Retribution from entering the building, which leads to match number one. Big E versus John Morrison. And the match doesn't start because Retribution runs in through the crowd. Yeah, because Retribution entered the building. 
jerks. It appears they've gone from five members last week to ten members now. Yeah, and not only has it appeared they've moved up from five in members, they've moved up from five feet tall as well. It appears a couple of the members appear to have had a significant growth spurt over the past week. I don't think I can call them aces and five foot eights anymore. So following that, there's a SmackDown men's locker room meeting saying how they should fight to stop retribution. Then cut to Bailey Dose Straps and Two Belt Banks cutting a promo in the ring. I'm over the extras banging on the glass when the heels are talking. Um... I'm over the performance center in general. So done with it. And boy, do we have some good news to talk about in that aspect. Or do we? Yeah, we'll get there on Monday when it was announced. Like, they're trying to cut a promo. Okay, you're going to have one or two performance centers, people who are going to be a bit chirpy or start a what chant for whatever reason. Like, why? Okay, sure, I can drone that out. The bang on the glass where it's... It's just like, okay, well, I'll just fast forward this. It's it's annoying. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so match number two of the night, it is the WWE SmackDown number one contender tri-branded battle royale for a shot at Bailey at SummerSlam. Mouthful. <laughs> Big mouthful. Let's get into this one. Entering first is Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, then Tegan Knox. then Tank Girl, then Lacey Evans. Then Asuka runs down and attacks Bailey and Banks, and we go to add as the rest of the gig center. That being Bianca Belair, Dana Brooke, Liv Morgan, Naomi, Nikki Cross, Ruby Wright, Shayna Baszler, and Tamina. Man, whose cereal did Shayna Baszler poop in to get treated the way she's been? She got treated on this episode. So, eliminations over the top row. Both feet have to hit the floor, though. First out is Ruby Wright, then Billy Kay, then Payne Royce, followed by Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Tamina, Naomi, Lacey Evans, Tank Girl, Bianca Belair, Tegan Knox. Dana Brooke is one of the final three women, which leads Shayna Baszler versus Asuka, and Asuka wins. Asuka and Baszler have a have a small portion of a singles match given away on TV with no notice in a battle royal. Why? Because their ratings are in the gurgler and they think they can do these sort of things and pop a number, but they don't realise that you actually didn't announce anyone for this, so you're not going to get a number out of this. Um, so, yeah, Asuka wins. The champs look shocked, go to an ad, come back. They're talking backstage about uh, what they should do, and Asuka attacks the women's champions from behind backstage because she's a baby face. What am I watching? Yeah, yeah, I, I can't tell you, man. <laughs> Cut to a Mandy Rose promo, says she wants to challenge Sonya to a hair versus hair match at SummerSlam. Alexa and Nikki briefly talk backstage, which leads into the next match. It's Sheamus versus Shorty G, who makes quick work of him defeating him. Cut to backstage, AJ Styles and Joseph Park talking backstage. TNA, TNA, TNA. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm marked out hard for seeing Joseph Park in WWE. This, this was... Absolutely ridiculous. Like, just outrageous that I saw this. Styles and Parks 
enter the ring to talk statistics for the IC Championship. More specifically, the Phenomenal Intercontinental Statistics System, or PISS. So he says number one on the list is AJ Styles, because he's a champion. And then goes to reveal the rest of the list, saying who's number two to five. Pulls off the cloth. No one. No one's good enough to challenge me. Which leads to Jeff Hardy coming down. Um, How they didn't get in a line saying that Jeff Hardy, you wouldn't be able to pass the PIWS test. I don't know how they restrain themselves from not saying that line. No, he's already had enough cheap shots at him this past month. I'm sure they're coming, man. They're coming back. So AJ says he'll never be on the list. Jeff knocks down AJ and Parks, then grabs the marker, writes his name on the list, and signs drawing his little face. Yeah, that's actually his signature. It's so weird. Like, I, I have a sign, Jeff Hardy, 8x10. It, it's like the weirdest signature. It's just like a picture of a face. Uh, backstage, interviewers is talking to AJ and Parks. Parks is holding up the whiteboard as AJ says, Jeff Hardy doesn't deserve to be on here and goes to wipe it off with his glove and then his coat. And then he goes... Is this permanent marker? And Parks goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Parks was really good here. More more Joseph Parks, please. Yeah, definitely. Backstage, Cesaro and Nakamura are cutting a promo as Lucha House Party sneak in from behind to steal the tag belts. Fourth match of the night, Grand Metalik with Lindsay Dorado in his corner versus Shinsuke Nakamura with Cesaro in his corner. Good little match. Towards closing stages, Kalisto makes his return distracts Shinsuke, and Grand Metalik picks up the victory. Yeah, that happened. Poor Shinsuke. Oh, man. Oh, why is he still there? It breaks my heart. Matt Riddle interview backstage. He looked high AF. I get that's his character, but all the time. <laughs> Are we supposed to believe, like, even in kayfabe, that this guy's passing piss tests? Like, is he paying fines every other week? Like, the kayfabe of this character? Like, what's happening here? Don't know, but Shorty G comes in and distracts him, which allows Corbin to come in and attack Matt from behind, and Corbin congratulates Shorty G, calling him Chad. There was an Alexa Bliss interview talking about her time with Braun throwback to the Mixed Match Challenge. Remember that? <laughs> um, I actually remember Braun and Alexa being the only highlight from that entire thing, their chemistry. But yeah, doesn't that feel like a lifetime ago? Indeed. Says she doesn't believe that Braun doesn't care about her and wants to find out more tonight. Sonya Deville interview. She accepts Mandy's challenge for a hair versus hair match at SummerSlam, saying that she'll leave Mandy bald. Match number five is your rematch to the opening match. Big E versus John Morrison. Big E ends up getting the victory here. Nah, not much to talk about there. I really hope they go far with this Big E singles run, but, oh, man, it's disappointing what they've done with Jomo. Not doing much with Morrison at all. I suppose once you saw where Lashley was slotted in, once he returned from an Impact World title run, you could see where Morrison was going to go. Yeah, I was just hopeful. I was foolishly too hopeful, I guess. Braun Strowman promo. Uh, he's saying that he's a monster now, calls out the fiend, but Alexa Bliss comes down. She's asking why Braun doesn't accept their friendship, why he'd throw it all away. She says that Braun needs to look at him while she's talking to him and begins to slap him. 
Braun picks up Alexa and goes to press slam her out of the ring, but the lights start to flicker as the Fiend arrive and he drops her as it goes to black. The red lights come on and the Fiend's in the ring with Alexa as Braun's on the screen screaming and we end the program. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. <laughs> if last week was confusing, this is off the rails in a ditch. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. This was just gross. My one problem with this show is we were talking last week, oh, who can challenge for Bailey's title? And we are saying, oh, Rhea Ripley, or you were saying maybe Naomi, and I was saying maybe <laughs> maybe Tank Girl, Shotty Blackheart. And we get... We get the final three participants of Dana Brooke, Shayna Baszler, and Asuka. And of those three options, we get Asuka. So of the two <laughs> title matches, it's involving the same three women. In my opinion, it doesn't really make Asuka a good babyface, does it? It just makes her a greedy sort of glory hog. Yes, yes, indeed, to, to use a bit of a pun there, it does make her a bit of a hog. <laughs> didn't think about that. So from there, we go across to 205 Live. Did you happen to watch this week or you felt you had enough of SmackDown? No, I didn't watch this week. Um, I will give you a spoiler. I probably won't watch many weeks. <laughs> so first match was the tag team match. Vigero Del Fantasma, Walking Wild, and Raul Mendoza with interim cruiserweight champion Santos Escobar in their corner, defeating Everise, Chase Parker, and Matt Martel. Good little match. Ultimately, it's putting a lot more shine on the stable for the interim champ. Second match was Arya Davari defeating Jake Atlas. Good return match here for Davari. Again, I've mentioned it before, 2-0 Live sort of suffers from WWE ECW syndrome. Yeah. Do you feel like talking about a bit of New Japan? Yeah, let's get into it, man. So we go to New Japan Strong, which is part of New Japan Pro Wrestling of America. Uh, match number one was an Australian rules match. Now, do you know where this term stems from? I have no idea. So it stems from the fabulous Kangaroos, former NWA tag team champions, spent a bit of time in uh, WWWF at the time, most synonymous for their various tag team runs in various promotions. Yeah, yeah, I'm somewhat familiar with them. Haven't seen any of their stuff, but I've definitely heard the name. Yeah, so that's sort of where the, the name of that comes from because promoters would call their tag team matches Australian rules match for some reason to do with the kangaroos what are the Australian rules basically the standard tag team match all right that's ridiculous anyway I got a bit of a chuckle hearing that on New Japan uh so match number one Logan Regal and Barrett Brown defeated Clark Connors and Jonathan Clearwater uh, much to add there Alex I did not see these particular match Actually, I accidentally skipped past the first half of this show, actually. Well, you really missed out on the second match. PJ Black, Mysterio and Blake Christian defeating TJP, ACH and Alex Zane. Yeah, um, who's Mysterio? Uh, Master Luchador, I'm... Not sure what company he's come from before. Maybe CMLL is the partner of New Japan. Yeah, I'm going to have to have a look at him because, yeah, it's just pretty weird having a wrestler called Mysterio. 
you know, that isn't Ray or Dominic for that matter. Dominic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Now, did you happen to catch the LA Dojo ads? Uh, No, I did not. Like we've talked about before, there's a um, Togi Makabe ad on New Japan World where he's in a classroom and there's the one with Taguchi in the um, dojo and they're talking about the rules sort of thing. It's basically that, but they're talking about a cleaning sponge. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, New Japan ads are the best. Well, we move on to the, the main potatoes of the the show, the semifinals of the New Japan Cup USA. Right-hand side final is David Finley versus Tamatonga. Uh, myself, I had chose David Finley in this half of the bracket. You had chose... Brody King, who was eliminated last week. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't do good in that first week. Good match. Overall, David Finley gets the win here against Tama. Post-match comments from Finley saying that their dads had fought before and it's just continuing on the rivalry between the the Finley-Tonga family. Yeah, I honestly want to search up a Fit Finley versus Haku match. That would be insane. Surely they would have had one in WCW at some point. Uh, I think there was a couple, but like if there was one outside of WCW, that would be even better to check out. The main event was the second semifinal in the left-hand bracket, Kenta versus Jeff Cobb. Now, Alex had chose Kenta and I had chose Jeff Cobb. Um, do you have much to add on this match? I finally got one right. Yeah. Great hard-hitting match. Ultimately, Kenta gets the victory here, advancing, saying that he's going to win the tournament and challenge John Moxley. So next week, the final is Kenta versus David Finley. And an R-block update. Alex is on four. Chris is on six. With three points being for the final, Alex has chosen Kenta. And I've chosen Finley. Yeah, this is like right down to the wire. Like if Kenta wins, I win this particular portion by one point. If Finley wins, you've smashed me. Yeah, it's actually worked out pretty well. My winner pick versus your winner pick. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next Saturday morning. Yeah, definitely. I'm fairly confident in Kenta winning this, just because of the Bullet Club overbooking that's going on at the moment. I feel like they would want to extend a bit of that into New Japan Strong as well. Yeah, and you guys are still actually stuck in the US for who knows how long. If they had left the titles on G.O.D., they could have used that tag team title in New Japan of America at this stage as well, but hindsight being 2020, you didn't know the world was going to shut down. Yeah, you didn't know the world was over. Last bit of news on Saturday was Ring of Honor had a new episode continuing their Best of Wrestlers series, this week focusing on Rick Titus. Rick Titus, eh? Must have been a short episode. Yeah, pretty good. Um, Some of them are a bit hit and miss, depending on who you have more of a connection to, what the matches are. That Hanakamura one, I haven't gone back and watched yet. I don't know if I will or not. Um, just, yeah, it's still three, three months ago, roughly. The wound's still fresh on that one. Uh, I'm just, honestly, normally I wouldn't even bother talking about the ROH stuff, but um, 
it's just mind-boggling that they've decided Rhett Titus was worthy of a best-of episode. Well, they've already done, like, the Briscoes, Taven, Lethal, Gresham, Skull. Do bloody best-of uh, Final Battle. They did that for a pay-per-view. They did best of Death Before Dishonor. Yeah, do best of um, those ladder matches, whatever they call them. Ladder Wars. Ladder Wars. Stuff like that, like... I don't think I'm enticed to watch an hour of Rat Titus matches. No offense to Rat Titus, but he knows he's not good, surely. I got the shovel out today, man. <laughs> On Sunday, we actually had a bit of wrestling news to talk about. So the first bit was uh, indie promotions appearing on the WWE Network. Starting on Sunday, indie promotions became available on the WWE Network which is only the second time non-WWE-owned events have featured on the network since Evolve Wrestling's 10th anniversary event last year. Progress Wrestling from England, Westside Extreme Wrestling from Germany, and Insane Championship Wrestling from Scotland have the following available videos. Progress Wrestling Chapter 92, WXW Femme Fatales 2019, WXW Ambition 11, and ICW Shrugs Hoose Party 5, Night 2. Along with WWE's most recently purchased video library, Evolve Wrestling from USA, uh, which has compilations of WWE wrestlers available, the best of Drew McIntyre in Evolve, and the best of Keith Lee Evolve. Uh, any thoughts on this, Alex? Have you checked any of it out? I I have yet to check any of it out. I'm positive I will eventually. There was a point in time where I used to follow the ICW product from Scotland. I actually enjoy their stuff. Um, yeah, so I'll definitely check out some of that. I think it'll be worth checking out the best of Drew McIntyre in Evolve and definitely worth checking out the best of Keith Lee in Evolve. I'd like to see more compilations like that too because you could have Matt Riddle or like Drew Gulak or stuff like that like Johnny Gargano's history and Evolve plenty of good stuff you could do there yeah so I haven't checked any of it out myself I did see through Twitter and Facebook that WWE had initially classified ICW as PG uh, given the amount of swearing in it, it was later upgraded to a M rating. Thank God. ICW in particular is going to suffer from ECW on the network syndrome. Like, their use of unlicensed music will be, like, yeah, music will be dubbed over. It's going to be really bad. Like, if you haven't checked out Grado's entrance... Final Countdown? Nah, it's uh, Like a Prayer by Madonna. Who used Final Countdown in ICW? Uh, no one, but Daniel Bryan used to use Final Countdown in Ring of Honor. That's what I'm thinking of. Check out some of Grado's entrances from ICW on YouTube. They're just breathtaking. Like, the crowd singing every word of the song. It's just insane. The one thing I found weird here is that NXT UK is still going along with their compilations. I would have found it better if they said it oh starting next week on nxt uk we're gonna have a best of progress show or a um progress match of the week or a wxw match of the week thrown in to drive viewers to be watching nxt uk at the moment yeah that'd be good 
Yeah, yeah. So they're just doing nothing on NXT UK. Just Yeah, replaying old matches. The only other thing I have here is, again, it's that double-edged sword syndrome. We saw it before with Evolve where they were a feeder partner to NXT. Then they got brought out. Now these are on the network. Is WWE paying them a portion of their buyout clause, or is this does a favor? Or I'm pretty sure all of these companies already are basically bought out by WWE, just not officially. All these promotions that have been chucked on the network have working relationships with WWE from the past as sort of feeder systems to the WWE. I wouldn't be shocked if these companies have been bought out and just not officially announced yet. Yeah, well, we've already seen most of the progress management leave since the formation of NXT UK. Moving on from there to Monday, uh, sad news in the wrestling world again. John Bedoya, known to wrestling fans as Xavier, passed away at the age of 43 years old. Most notable for his time in Ring of Honor, where he wrestled on the promotion's first show. Xavier defeated Loki on September 21st, 2002, becoming the second Ring of Honor world champion. He held the title for 182 days before losing it to Samoa Joe on March 22nd, 2003. Xavier last wrestled for Ring of Honor in 2007 and had retired from pro wrestling in 2011. It was announced earlier this year he was coming out of retirement for a match versus Jay Lethal at Ring of Honor's Past versus Present in March, but was cancelled due to the pandemic. Yeah, um, I'm not too familiar with that early era of Ring of Honor and... Uh, I'm not too familiar with Xavier, but, you know, his title reign led to the very historic Samoa Joe title run. I saw a couple of Xavier's promos leading up to the past versus present card and his match with Jay Lethal in March that got cancelled. His promos were fantastic, and I remember just there being a lot of genuine buzz about the about Xavier coming back and this was just out of nowhere. This was absolutely tragic. Yeah, horrible news. Sadly. Um, however, later on that day, Ring of Honor did do a press release for their Pure Championship. Uh, later our day, Australian time, it was the next day in the US. So Ring of Honor has now announced 10 of the 16 competitors for the Ring of Honor Pure title tournament. That being PJ Black, Tony Deppen, David Finley, Jonathan Gresham, Jay Lethal, Rocky Romero, Matt Seidel, Tracy Williams, Josh Woods, and Willa Yatta. Like, um, Tony Deppen is a bit of a shock for me in there. He's a GCW re- regular. There's not a particular standout as, like, an odds-on favourite, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. So they've announced that it will be a two-block single elimination tournament format, and the Ring of Honor pure rules apply to the matches. Um, looking at the announced wrestlers with 6 to be announced, uh, Slex has confirmed of being pulled out of the tournament, so I'm unsure if he's returned to Australia. Uh, he's been back in Australia this whole pandemic. It's just I haven't seen much of him on Twitter, so I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah, I saw like a few months ago, like um, it was one of the Philippe brothers posting a 
Jim selfie with Slex in their garage or something. Uh, looking at the announced participants, I'd have to say Jonathan Gresham would be a heavy favourite given the Ring of Honor pure rules do apply. Yeah, yeah. How, how did I look past that? Yeah, that's probably that's probably odds on favourite. Possibly um, a Jay Lethal as well, but Jonathan Gresham, that is the perfect fit for that title. Um, this whole tournament's probably just just to really help Gresham get over now that I think about it. Um, it's good to see guys like Rocky Romero here with ROH and yeah, Tony Depp and coming in from GCW and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing who the other six competitors will be. And should we contemplate chucking this in the R block? I suppose we'll wait and see um, when the wrestlers are announced and how much time we have in between. Moving back to the world of wrestling on Tuesday was the uh, final edition of the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament, the Deadly Draw Night Free. Yeah, what a mouthful again. They, these guys are trying to make you have a stroke or something with all these long long names for their shows. Match number one was the Nightmare Sisters, Brandy Rhodes and Ally with Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall in their corner versus the team of Big Swole and Little Swole. Um, do you have much to add on this match? Brandy is Brandy. It's not great, but this wasn't her worst effort. She comes out to the ring and you know how the little name graphic pops up down the bottom? She's got her two little brand brands and there's a little name graphic that pops up in the center of the screen for them. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Good little match. Eventually, Little Swall gets isolated while Big Swall's on the outside arguing with Britt Baker in the crowd and distracted. The Nightmare Sisters get the win. Yeah, um, I really would have loved to have seen the Swalls get a win here, but uh, they're continuing the the rivalry there, so that'll, that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, second match of the night is Ivelisse and Diamante versus Tay Conti and Anna Jay. I thought this was fine. Um, another one, I was disappointed in the result. I think Tay Conti's a star. I, I really hope Tay Conti gets a contract out of all this. Yeah, I'd have to agree. However, I felt Ivelisse and Diamante getting the win here was the right decision. They are definitely a more natural tag team out of the... Out of all this, um, it does make sense. These guys against Brandy and Ali, I just, I shudder at the idea of Brandy winning this whole thing. There was a bit of a um, dissension backstage where Brandy's bragging that she got the win and she's got an action figure and Ali's sort of taken aback by this saying, we got the win. Um, so yeah, final air next week on Saturday Night Dynamite which is Sunday morning Australian time. Uh, who do you think's going to win that? Do you still think Brandy and Ali will get the win over Ivelisse and Diamante? Yeah, I think it's going to be Brandy and Ali, but I hope it'll be Ivelisse and Diamante. Just the backlash they'll get for Brandy winning this whole thing will just make Twitter an unbearable place. Yeah, I think Ivelisse and Diamante are going to get the win here because the Nightmare Sisters will explode and Brandy and Ali will sort of spin off into a singles program following this. Yeah, uh, one can only hope. Raw. 
Oh boy. <laughs> this was trash. Let's just get it out of the way early. This was trash. It makes me regret watching this freaking program. Drew McIntyre promo calls out Randy for attacking Ric Flair last week. Then Retribution is in the TV truck and put Raw off the air. And I was thinking, awesome, 20 minutes in and I get the rest of the night off. Yeah, that'd be perfect, wouldn't it? Uh, However, Raw comes back on the air with Drew McIntyre addressing the locker room. Hurt Business goes down to the ring, cuts a promo, and Apollo Crews comes down, which leads to a non-title match. Apollo Crews defeating Shelton Benjamin. Post-match, R-Truth and Tazara running around with the 24-7 title. Shelton kicks R-Truth with a big boot, pins him, and becomes the new 24-7 champion. Oh, very good. Yeah, well, don't we love this? Oh, my God. Um, How many times... We'll get to it later. But how many times does Shelton lose on this particular episode of Raw? Um, Yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) Bachelorette Demi is talking to Gaza and Ivar backstage. Like, I'm like, is this girl really need to be here in the middle of a pandemic? (laughs) I don't know if you noticed this, but either she has invisible braces or she has, like, black dots in the middle of her teeth on, on the side of her mouth, like her side teeth. She had these weird black dots on her. It was just really distracting every time she talked. Ivor gives her like a turkey leg and now she's friends with Ivor. Because he's cute. Eric, not so much. Angel Garza uh, versus Ivor ends up defeating Ivor. They then cut to a video of Ford showing Demi a video. And after the ad break video plays, showing Selena looking suspicious backstage with the red solo cup. Yeah, she she poisoned him. Well, you don't know that. Her back's to the camera. Yeah. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Um, did you forget something? Uh, Thunderdome. Oh, yes, I almost forgot. <laughs> WWE announcement of the week. Thunderdome. What the hell is this? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's a meagle, except it, it's TVs on chairs. You and I had a little chat about this off air, and I was like, there's going to be some idiots that are just going to like do some really stupid thing with these screens where they stream to. Yeah, so you were basically saying it's a... um. A fan logs in to a webcam. They're on that TV screen as an audience member, as a live TV. So it's not a cardboard cutout in the crowd. It's a live video screen of someone webcamming. Yeah, that's that's what I've gathered from all of this. And, um, man, this could get really problematic really quickly. Like we were saying, someone could uh, flash up a logo of a rival promotion or of a band wrestler. Or as I so crudely said, they could whip out their donger. They could do some very inappropriate things on the cameras. Human beings, and in particular, wrestling fans can't be trusted sometimes. And this is showing way too much trust, I think. Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's a recipe for disaster if this is all airing live. Mm-hmm. Next match was Natalia with Lana in her corner, defeating Mickey James. This was a nothing match because halfway through the match, Seth comes down and confronts Joe on commentary and 
they just stopped talking about the match to talk to Seth. After that ridiculous promo last week, hyping up the return of Mickey James, they just have Natalia Beta and have the entire focus of this match being on the commentators, basically. Just dumb. The camera angle was such that you were looking at Joe and Seth and you weren't even looking at the ring in the background at points. Yeah, it was just... Uh... Yeah, very silly. Next was Bailey and Banks coming down to the ring for a promo. Honest to God, the NXT and PC extras need to shut the hell up. Why are you doing what chance? Yeah, just dumb. Like, what does that add to the show? It's annoying enough when regular fans do it. Why are you doing it to your work colleagues? Yeah, oh, it's just illogical, really. Which leads to Asuka and Shayna Baszler teaming to face Bailey and Sasha Banks in a non-title match. Halfway through the match, Nia Jax attacks Shayna ringside, busting through the plexiglass to attack her, and Shayna disappears. But she comes back towards the end of the match, and Asuka and Shayna claim the victory. This was dumb. Very dumb. This whole show was just horrible. And we're going to continue that trend shortly. Uh, Cedric was backstage, told that he's out of the six-man tag team match between uh, Apollo and his friends versus Hurt Business. Then it was shown that Shawn Michaels was talking to Drew McIntyre. There's actually a good little promo here between Shawn and Drew, talking about their history together in NXT and all that sort of stuff. From Sean training Drew in NXT. I quite like that, him saying, oh, you were down here when I started at the Performance Center. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Iconics are talking to the right to toots, and the camera pans across because the Iconics go, who's that? And it's Shayna talking to the other members of the Four Horsewomen. Yeah, just in case you didn't know that, um, that the Iconics and the Riots aren't worth your attention they literally visualize that in this segment goes to a match it's Peyton Royce with Billy Kay in her corner versus Ruby Wright with Liv Morgan in her corner quick little match Peyton gets the win here over Ruby Peyton is getting like so many wins lately <laughs> and I'm sure it's gonna lead absolutely nowhere which is heartbreaking but she's like getting wins almost every week on Raw yeah, which is good to see, but with, <laughs> oh my god, with Asuka challenging for both belts and the Bailey and Banks having all four main roster gold, it leaves the Iconics and the right to toots and every other woman out in the cold. Yeah, yeah, they're just, they've completely fumbled the women's tag thing. Um, yeah, it's very worrying. 10pm, that means Raw Underground is on. <laughs> Yeah, so this was the first time in the history of Raw Underground that Raw Underground match was taking place at 10pm in American time. So third time's a charm. They finally got it right. Ah, well. Eric defeated um, someone. Did you happen to catch the name of the first guy who defeated the blonde-haired guy? Uh, Wasn't that Colby Carino? Oh, wow, there's a name you haven't heard in a while. It might have been. Yeah, it was Colby Carino, Steve Carino's son. Former ECW and Ring of Honor champion Steve Carino. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, they brought Colby in to do the J-O-B here. Uh, this is 
be good. I like Eric in the underground. He looks he looks like a killer in this setting. <laughs> Next week, back with Viking Prophets. Mm-hmm. Dolph's talking to Shane. Shane suggests that Dolph should get in there next, so he does, to face Eric. Defeats Eric. Ivar, angry, gets in the ring and pushes Dolph into the crowd. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. Uh, I don't like this direction, but if it continues with the Viking Raiders eventually just coming out of this looking like killers, I'm all for it. But uh, uh, this was very worrying. Ray and Dominic are in the ring back at Raw, cutting a promo, and Seth and Buddy appear on the Titantron, uh, talking up Seth versus Dominic at SummerSlam. Much to add there? No, no. There was. Um, I, I think this feud's going all right. Uh, the Seth character just... It gives me the poops. I hate it. He just feels like he's playing a character, not being a character. MVP is talking to Cedric backstage, saying he should join the Hurt Business. Cedric says no. Back to Raw Underground. Arturo Rojas and Riddick Moss fight to a no contest because they spill outside the ring and Shane screams that's enough as they begin to brawl with the crowd. Arturo looks like a badass, but this was not the way to go about it. It's still too early to be putting these guys against each other. Squash a few more people each. Match number 10, back to Raw. It is a elimination trios match. The Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley, MVP and Shelton Benjamin versus Apollo Crews, Mustafa Ali and Ricochet. So Mustafa is eliminated, followed by Ricochet, followed by Shelton. And as Shelton is eliminated, Cedric comes down, rolls up Shelton and claims the 24-7 championship Midway through the elimination match. Ridiculous. Next eliminated was MVP, which meant it was a one-on-one final showdown between Cruz and Lashley, and Lashley eliminates Cruz. They then run down both the SummerSlam card and the TakeOver cards, and is seen that Shane is talking to the four horsewomen of MMA, minus Ronda Rousey. There's then a 24-7 title match in the ring. It is Cedric versus Tazawa. Cedric retains. He gets outside and then Shelton hits Pater and claims back the 24-7 championship from Cedric. Man, I don't know why they had to do this so many times on this episode of Raw. Like, why did Shelton have to win and lose the title so many times in one episode when they could have just done it once and it would have been just as effective? Who knows? Back to Raw Underground, Marina Shafir defeats a woman, and then next is Shayna Baszler versus Nia Jack. But Nia just walks out as the crowd chants, she's scared. And Shane says, catch Raw Underground next week at 10pm. Shayna and Nia's uh, little confrontation in the underground was pretty cool. I think Nia Jack's being in an underground match is kind of funny, considering her history of... Um, actually hurting people so being in an environment where we're meant to believe that they're actually hurting people is quite humorous yeah go for it put these two in in an underground match at SummerSlam or something for all I care fair enough uh then the main event of the night it is Montez Ford with Angelo Dawkins in his corner versus Andrade with Angel Garza and Selena Vega in his corner man I got nothing um like at one point the the commentators are trying to say that montez is still like affected by the poison it's ridiculous yeah this was sort of a a nothing match and 
Ford gets the win here, defeating Andrade, um, setting up their tag match at SummerSlam. Closing segment of Raw, Shawn Michaels comes down to the ring to talk, but Randy Orton comes down and attacks him. He gives him the old punt, but unlike anyone else that's taken the punt, Sean wasn't unconscious from it. So I, I don't know if I'm looking too deep into that, but that kind of, it's kind of weird for me. Sean must pose, brother. He's still politicking. Drew runs down and Randy returns to attack Drew from behind. Yeah, uh, they did a good job of making Randy look like a monster here, but um, I just don't feel like Drew McIntyre is involved in this feud. Like, yeah, he comes out and saves the old guys here and there, but he's, like, so interchangeable in his role. They really need to, like, change this role to make it very specific for Drew because he just seems, like, completely replaceable and interchangeable in this feud. Yeah, well, my problem with it is that after maybe the third or fourth attack, you'd learn, oh, this legend's going down the ring to talk to Randy Orton. Maybe I should go down there just in case. To be fair, Sean did say, don't come down, let me sort out this business. He said that to Drew backstage, which was them trying to cover their ass, but still. And Rick was aligned with Randy, who was before Rick. Oh, there was Big Show, there was Christian, Edge. Yeah, so... Yeah, okay, you've sort of explained it away there. Big Show's a giant, which was the third one. Flair was on the side of Randy, so that was unexpected. And then Sean said for Drew not to come out. So, okay, they've, they've done a good job of explaining that. I give them credit there. And the Christian thing was sort of a shock at the time because that that was when Ric Flair joined Randy Orton and, like, low-blowed Christian and then Randy punted Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, so pretty bad edition of Raw, I think. Horrible. Oh, absolutely horrible. Uh, I, I, I can't wait for them to get out of the PC. Well, actually, we'll see how I feel about that next week. Yeah, the Thunderdome. Isn't that like the worst Mad Max movie beyond Thunderdome? The Chris Thunderdome. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Impact seems to be doing good, minus their Wrestle House stuff, which is starting to be a bit more miss than hit. It's getting a bit stale, but... AEW's doing good. They've built up their Saturday show really well. New Japan Strong's doing well. NXT's okay. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to go on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know, like, what matches are announced. Three matches? The women's match... Uh, Kai versus EO. You've got the the ladder match. Uh, two participants will qualify on Wednesday. Then you've got Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and Cameron Grimes in there at the moment. And then you've got the title match. Yeah. Uh, Keith Lee versus Killer Cross with Scarlet in his corner. Oh, and you've got Adam Cole and McAfee. Oh, God. I knew there was a match I blocked from my mind. That is, without a doubt, my toilet break match. Uh, I'm still telling you, I'm still on the camp of McAfee's going to blow everyone's minds. I think this is just going to be insane and you're just going to be, yeah, I think the whole world is going to be shocked. I don't know, maybe I'm just way too hopeful, but I think it's actually going to be a good match. 
Uh, so what's that leave? Oh, they'll probably set up Santos Escobar versus Swerve Bro. Oh, yeah. And maybe, like, uh, do the other Phantasma boys against uh, Breezango on the kickoff or something. Yeah, which would just leave if you're going to do a tag title match on TakeOver, but you did one last week. Yeah. Um, Imperium. Who's ready for that? Imperium versus who? No one's ready for it, honestly. They don't have anyone set up. Breezango. Well, they're in a feud with those two, with DJ Z and the other dude. Zima Ion. <laughs> yeah, with Zima Ion and his tag partner, whatever his name is. Walking Wild and Raul Mendoza. Yeah, that's it. I'm just going to keep calling him DJ Z just to be a smart mark. <laughs> just, I'm going to keep putting uh, Broman's energy out in the world and hopefully one day the world will reciprocate. Mr. Spectacular comes home back to Florida. Yeah, we need him. Anyway, what a week. Yes, and geez, looking at the calendar, New Japan starts up again soon. They'll be heading towards Jingu Stadium, then the G1. Yeah, uh, interesting times ahead. I'm struggling to look past this weekend because it's a huge weekend of wrestling coming up. So I suppose I should ask, what will you be watching live on Sunday and Monday? Uh, I'm going to watch all of them live, I think. I think Dynamite will finish before TakeOver starts by my calculation. If I don't plan on watching the TakeOver kickoff show. There's never anything on there. Yeah. So, like, Dynamite's at 8. Usually TakeOvers start at 10. So I should be able to watch both of those live, which would be great. Yep. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll watch SummerSlam. I'll probably regret it, but I will. Okay. Um... Last couple of questions here. Let's see. Which of the two women's matches do you think's going on first on SummerSlam? Uh, Bailey first, then Sasha, I think. Okay, so Asuka Bailey. Who's winning that? Uh, Bailey with help from Sasha. Okay, I'd agree there. And then Raw Champion Sasha versus Asuka. Asuka, because Bailey tries to help Sasha, but accidentally cost Sasha the title. Didn't she do that once before? Yeah, so... I feel like they've done that before with Bailey and Sasha recently. Yeah, they'll do it again. Yeah, I can see that happening where Bailey retains but Sasha doesn't, so it causes friction between them. Then they lose the tag belts the next weekend. Yeah, um, my prediction's completely interchangeable. Like, it could be, like, Sasha costing Bailey or whatever, you know? But my first answer is pretty much what I think will happen. Who do you think's going to challenge for the women's tag titles then? I don't think they even know. Do you put put it back on the Iconics and go from there? I think the Riots will get it. No, I don't want the Riot to, to have it. I want the Iconics to have it. Yeah, that would be ideal. I think... Um, don't you mean Iconic? Yes. Yes, Chris. <laughs> I think the riots will end up getting it. If not the riots, it looks like Retribution has more than one female. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I could see that happening too. I think there's a reason why it looks like there's more than one female in Retribution, and that would be those belts. All righty. I suppose that's enough for wrestling this week. We'll be back again on the weekend. Uh, catch us then. Goodbye, humans. Mwah.